did it, Jared. Uh, last week was 200. We're on to 201. So here's to another 200. Yeah. Hey, I forgot. Did it, I forgot buddy. last I, last week. I forgot to give you something. I I made you. I made you this here. Oh. You like it? I mean, I don't hate it. Well, that's a start. So what? What don't you hate about it? I, the I I really can't look away. Can't mm, can't yeah, see? not look at it. See, <laughs> and you see how I put that mirror right there in that one spot. You yeah. know, your mm-hmm. eyes are drawn to that spot, and then you just see yourself in it. It's like a big throbbing veiny self. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that is fun, huh? Um, why don't we do the podcast? Uh, in another room okay. today. Okay. Let's just let's go to a different room and do the podcast. <laughs> we'll let we're gonna let this work of art breathe, my okay. friend. Okay, cool. Really sink sink it up. Put it on your dashboard in your car or something. You know, mm. you see it all the time. All right, hey mm. guys, <laughs> welcome to the indie film review, where we review independent films. Um, that work of art and much more works of art will make sense later on because this week we have four short films for you. One sure. of the short films was submitted to us by, do you have his name? So we have Chekhov's A Work of Art uh, directed by Nick Burton. Yes. and Yeah, written the story by Anton Chekhov, who is, I guess, a famous Russian. I don't, I don't know. He seems like he's a bunch of things. Yeah. This is a guy from history, by the way. Anyway, and I don't—I didn't know much about him, but he, I looked him up a little bit, and he seemed very interesting. The, he, he lived a life. Chekhov's a work of art is the newest patron to our patron society, so we will be covering yeah. them at the end of the episode, um, with all due respect, and we're gonna tackle some more shorts to get there because it's a shorty Hell episode. Yeah. Episode, uh, what volume seventeen we're on. Ooh. Oh my god. How do you remember this shit? Because I'm the one that uploads everything and types it out. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God that you do. So Tom Egerton is the executive producer. He He's the one who sent us a work of art, by the way. Uh, I was, Thank I you, was confused as to whether it was director or not. But yeah, okay. We really appreciate it. Um, all right. The other films we're going to get to are Kiri and the Girl. A Little House in Aberdeen. And Subsurfer. It's called Subsurface. It is. Well, we got to <laughs> okay. jump right into it. So let's do it. As many of you, dear listeners, will know, um, for the independent film podcast, independent review. Well, as many of you might know we here at indie film review like to spoil films later on in the show but for short films we kind of have to just talk about the whole thing because they're so short so that's what we're gonna do gonna go straight into spoiler territory yeah good call to say that absolutely oh and also okay before we get into these shorts too i had made laurels for all of the film awards and that got really positive feedback i'm glad everybody enjoyed the awards and everything the thing that happened to my hand is i got bit by a cat (laughs) my hand got fucked up really really bad the same day i made those laurels so I i don't know if that makes it any cooler or any less cool i don't know um did you do it with your bloody hand i wish i could have done them better I had to use my left hand because I'm left-handed for some things, but like I was on a ton of pain pills. My hand was like... I'm shaking my head. It was painful. SMH, bro. You need to put What's your that mean? blood... Shaking my head. You need to put your bloody, decrepit hand to work 
in situations like uh, that. It was bad. I had to get a tetanus shot. Please feel bad for me. Feel sorry for me. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go to it. Carrie and the girl. Um, this was done by Grace Dove. Great name. And I believe the the writer is uh, Christopher Logan. So Kiri and the Girl is about a little girl named Kiri. Um, she has lost her mom. This girl, um, her dad is Caucasian and her mom was um, Native American. So they're living on a Native American um, reservation. And well, just so you know, I think this takes place in Canada. Oh, so they're natives to Canada. Last time I checked. Canada is in America, so they're still Native Americans. Is that how that works? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I'm pretty sure... Is it? I'm pretty sure Canada didn't treat them as poorly as we did, but (laughs) they're still Native Americans. Okay, all right. What else would they be? Indigenous peoples of... uh, No, I mean, I don't know. I thought they would just be called natives or indigenous peoples. Yeah, sure, indigenous peoples. I'm ignorant. Forgive my ignorance, too. Basically... Big time ignorance. But the indigenous people's culture is so, so relevant to this film that, like, you have to... Well, yeah, it's the whole thing. You have to say it. So, Kiri, uh, she's dealing with the loss of her mom. She's going to... um, I forgot what they called it in the film, but it's like a celebration. A powwow. A powwow. It's a celebration of life and um, their culture, and they just go and they they chant and they dance, and it's awesome. And they dress up, and it's fucking rad. Yeah. Anyway, she meets a girl there. The girl will remain... Well, I forgot. She did have a name towards the end, but it's the girl. The, the titular girl. It's the girl. Yeah. So, Kiri... And Kiri is not the girl. No. The, the girl is... But there is a girl. This other... Um, but Carrie is a girl, though. Yes. <laughs> but she's not the girl. She's not the girl. <laughs> anyway. Okay. All right. I'm just trying to clear everything up for Carrie everyone. goes, she 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 has this this habit of wandering away from her her dad and her aunt. And um, she just gets lost, basically. And they freak out. So she goes in this uh, teepee and she meets this girl. And then she's like, D- what do you see out there? She's like, oh, I don't see a lot of anything. And she looks out and there's just people like their feet dancing. And she's like, I know where I can t- show you like everything. So this girl leads Kiri. Okay. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. So up until this point in the film, this girl is like whimsical. She likes to find trinkets and build things. And, and by she, trinkets, you mean dead a, chipmunks. Yes. Yeah, she found a dead chipmunk and put it in her pocket. And that was like, Ooh, this is kind of dark, but it, I think it's a whole thing with like her trying to get over the death of her mother. Yes. And she's using this dead chipmunk later on. She's going to bury it almost like a symbolic, like I'm trying to get over like accepting death. The big uh, crux, I guess in this film is that the, the father, the aunt, and this little girl, Kiri, have to deal with the death of the mother. And she is, like, not having a great time processing it. And so she meets that girl who then whisks her away into the woods. And that's when the acid kicks in, <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't yes. you say? Yes. So What happens? So Kiri goes on <laughs> a spirit journey formation anniversary. Yeah, and, holy shit. And so what she sees is these um indigenous people they are in complete indigenous garb and they are like hued green and they look awesome and they're dancing and there's this fucking crazy contemporary modernized indigenous chanting starts happening and then that's set to like trap beats 
And then it gets really mm-hmm. fucking like the music in this film is incredible. I was excellent. It's I the was best thing blowing, about the film. I was I was blowing up. I was you were blowing was blowing up. I was blowing a balloon and I popped and it was it. showing. It was absolutely anyway. Great save. <laughs> <laughs> you have no. I agree. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then to top it all off, so I'm just I'm gushing over the music, but that's not the most insane part, yeah. right? So after they do their little dance, they turn into a CGI animal and go away, and that happens yeah. a lot. And and the the editing in the sequence is like it's normal, but then it's fast paced and jerky, and and it slows mm-hmm. down into slow motion. It's oh, it was so cool. So cool. I I thought the CG was pretty good. It didn't it didn't like take me out of the film. I was enjoying it. Uh, I liked the little Raven Bird and the transformations into like the Panther. The one there was this one guy who was like a scary wolf man, mm-hmm. and he was like smiling and being happy. And I'm like, I don't trust this guy. <laughs> like this guy is scary. Well, so what Jared's talking about is like this guy. He's he's wearing all wolf pelts and wolf skeletons. And it's like, yes, he is. He is intimidating. And then, and then at the very end, uh, Kiri in the, earlier in the film is playing with a feather that she got from her mom's belongings, and the feather is black with little red spots on it. And then at the very end, Kiri sees a woman dressed in black and red, and she's dancing. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, this is the mom. Is that and her Kiri mom? Is, yeah. Kiri's watching her mom dance and. Yeah, just encouraging her to embrace this culture, and then Kiri dons um, all of the native kind of drapery, like she has her father's. Well, vest. she makes her own out of things she finds. Yeah, she has a father's vest, and then um, her aunt's scarf, and then she joins in the the powwow that's being held, and she starts dancing. It's such a beautiful. It was film. really sweet. Yes. It was really sweet, and then you realize that the little girl that took her into the forest was a ghost. Yes. Oh, <laughs> bury the lead on that. Yeah, you buried the lead <laughs> real hard. So we have a little girl who's lost her mother and a mom who has lost her daughter. And they kind of also have a, a meeting uh, in a tent and they kind of talk about that. And it's I, I think what's going on there, it's like, OK, well, even though you've lost a loved one, you still have this breath of community with you mm-hmm. here coming to these powwows to help you through grieving. And, you know, we're still also your family. Right. So um Really heartwarming, really touching, amazing music. The music is so yeah. good, like Dan said. Uh, again, going forward now for 2023, I'm going to be keeping track of different things, like things that catch my eye, maybe in terms Dude, of like nods. In terms of, to in say, terms of I don't short know, films soundtrack. The, in terms of short films for the end of this, like all four of these shorts are contenders to me. Yo. It's, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, we're going to try to do better is what I'm saying and, and keep that stuff in do mind. Do better. There was no point where I was taken out by the sound audio or the quality of the shots. I liked where the camera was put. I, I enjoyed the acting. There was just like no faults. I can't, I can't think of a... I'm trying hard to think of something where I'm like, oh, I wish they could have done this better. And I can't think of anything. The only thing I want is distribution. Get it out in the public. People need to see this. <laughs> there you go. People need to yeah, see it's this. Yeah, it's a sweet film. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's fun. It's weird. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yes, yes, yes. Now, on to A Little House in Aberdeen. A Little House in Aberdeen. Now, this is a story. Written and directed by Emily Goss. I believe she stars in it, too. She stars in it, too. Yeah. So, powerhouse. 
Power House. Uh, Dan, what is a little house in Aberdeen so, about? This is this film is a seven minute existential crisis that this woman is having on camera as she's having an abortion. Yeah, it is crazy. So you have two nurses or a doctor and a nurse who are doing the procedure, and while the procedure is being done, we just have like a close up of her face, just trying to talk to the people in the room and they are ignoring her just doing their job. And she is just going and going and going mm. and she just won't stop talking. It's, it, it speaks to the anxiety. It speaks to the, the, the questioning, like the, the enigma that is, should I have an abortion or should I not? Like it, that is brought up very early on yeah. in the film. And um, I, I don't know, like everything she said was just amazing. It's just, it's, what I would describe it as is the thought process of a mother who is going through that out loud. Yeah. So it gets heavy at times. This film was really hard to watch, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed every second of it. This film was really, really good. It's entirely in one shot. I don't think there was a cut. The camera is dynamically moving like in and out, uh, like hovering above her to get different angles and zoom in more when it needs to and zooming out. It's so simple. It looks great. Like you were saying with the anxiety shit, like I was feeling so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It was so hard to watch this. And I'm just like, is she going to take a break from spewing out the sentences? And I'm like, I'm feeling the anxiety. And then, and then you start like, I started like list, like listening, listening to what she was saying. And it just gets so heavy and so dark. She's like, well, I eventually do want to be a mother and have that a child. That is my favorite. Like, just I'm, I'm not glad you now. brought that up. That is my favorite line of dialogue in this film. That is what the heart of this film is to me. Because so many people who like just badmouth abortions and like are so up in arms and they're very pro, um, pro-life. pro um, Yeah. They, they, they bring up the idea that, oh, you would just kill a baby. You would just, it's like, it's not just that. There's a... There's there's a thought process behind it, and the thought process needs to be understood, respected, and um, just known. And this film does that, and then at that point where she says, you know, I want to be a mother, despite all appearances, it's like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. How often does anybody yeah. consider that? It's like, she might be doing this for a very specific reason that, you know, she will get ostracized for whenever she leaves, because... You know, there might be like a, a picket line outside. Because I think she was even doing it like in secret. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's this is a heavy fucking film. Um, sh- Emily really brings it home at the end, too. And I that seemed like real crying to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seemed real to me, Dan. So uh, what a performance. What a great little short. I also like that we never we don't know why she's there. We don't know anything about it Uh, it, like it only focuses on the anxiety that surrounds it not the not what led us there but what is happening there at that moment yes and then that end is just like okay i'm done Mm -hmm. the doctor's like we're all done now and she's like uh really you're like yep and then the movie just ends you're like wow what the fuck dan we didn't get to see the little house on aberdeen so this is a zero out of ten sorry I wanted to go there. I wanted to ex- Curiously, s- experience uh, it. Aberdeen is where Kurt Cobain grew up. Um, the lead what? singer of the Nirvana. And, um, <laughs> is this real? Yeah. 
Like as soon as I heard Aberdeen, I'm like, oh, Kurt Cobain, and he's like, oh no, this is Kurt about Cobain's going to be in this. This is sad. <laughs> how, how amazing would it be if the fetus was just Kurt Cobain, little fetus baby? Well, I mean, it wouldn't be because at that point we wouldn't have him anymore, and his his cultural footprint would be no longer. So the next film we're going to talk about is Subsurface. This film is easily the most confusing of the bunch. But not in, not a, in a bad, bad way. way. Not in a bad way at all. It just like I'm probably gonna have to like I I I watched all these last night last minute unfortunately, and I did take mm-hmm. notes on it. But subsurface is one I'm gonna have to return to multiple times because it is very bizarre. It's an amazing dream, like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But the payoff of this film, like the, the the what would you say, like the climax of the narrative that I was, I almost said punchline. Um, the the purpose <laughs> of this film, like that you get at the very end, I'm like, wait, wh- how does this correlate back to the awful dread that he's feeling in this dream sequence? So we'll talk about it. We'll talk about what we think it means, but I definitely want to watch this one a lot more. Yeah. So this was uh, the production company's called. Sully Film Productions. I forget exactly who sent it to us, but yeah, Subsurface. And also, please keep in mind, Dan, that this film is, they haven't finished mastering it yet. This isn't like the final version of the Could film. I think me. maybe all the, sh- I mean, it sounded and looked amazing yeah. already. Um, no, I, I remember reading that. Yeah. So like all of these films so far, like we've we've said, have, have been just immaculate in terms of construction and sound design yeah. and everything. No issues there at all. So subsurface is like this guy. He's in a room with like these these big panels that surround him, and he's tied up to a chair. And this set design is so good. Yeah, and he's for like a low budget short. Oh, yeah, he he's trying to get out of the chair, and he he does eventually get out of the chair, and he goes up to one of the panels and he looks through it, and he sees himself there sitting with friends around a like a, a a patio table and like they're all having a good time but he in that scene is staring off into space so he in the dream is like looking through this little peephole and like banging on the wall that he's on and he's trying to like get their attention and he can't do it and he eventually finds a hammer that's on the ground and he starts just bashing a hole in this wall so he can get through and whenever he is able, like he has a hole big enough, he can get through it. He puts the hammer down and he turns back to the wall and it's, there's no longer a hole there. And he like, he's having this. This is, some of these practical effects are so fucking cool because when he runs to the wall, you can see the light from the opening close. Mm-hmm. You see the light go away. You don't see the hole close. You just see his face running towards it. Oh, so good. And like the water effects. Mm-hmm. Um, just being in a room with like an inch of water would drive me crazy. Oh, just yeah. stepping in it and being in it constantly that, that annoyance and that like dread it would build. And then he keeps like Jared cried whenever he had to, whenever he had to like go in the sewers and resident evil too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm just afraid of giant alligators. Who isn't afraid of giant alligators? Exactly. But yeah, like, the entire film takes place in this one little set. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't bored for a single second. No, you were claustrophobic. You were like shit that was going yeah, you on. You were freaked out. Like he has no, re- there's no reason why he's there. We don't know why he's there. And then he, we, we see that he can access this alternate dimension. Then you're like, Oh, he must be dreaming. So this might be a nightmare. Yeah. And then 
whenever we cut to the outside, we're actually around that table. Um, we find out that he is spacing out and his boyfriend tells him, hey, is everything okay? And then that's the end of the yeah. film. And you're like, wait, yeah. what? So I wonder what the anxiety is that we are, what we're trying to deal with in, in this, in this little hole that he's part of. Yeah. Because the whole thing that I think is going on with the, the short is he's afraid to ask for help because he has some kind of addiction or a problem. Mm -hmm. I would, I thought it was about addiction, but it, it is unclear. That would be the only fault I would say is that it is unclear what he is asking help for. It could just be a general thing of like, I need help. You should ask someone, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I don't, that, that didn't really hinder my enjoyment of the no, film. No, it doesn't. Like, it, so like I said, I want to watch it again and I, I will not have a problem watching it again because it's so, it just, yeah. it, it's, it's clean. It's tight. It's, it's a great short film and it's, it's like, it was seven minutes long. It's, it's great. The climax when he's really trying to break out and then all of the people at the table that are outside in the other dimension show up inside of yeah. that small room and the lights are flashing and he's freaking that out. That reminded me of a nightmare that I had. That was so <laughs> good. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. Fantastic. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, just have the whole plot take place in Aberdeen next time. <laughs> Zero out of ten. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, what can I say? <laughs> I love Kurt. <laughs> Kurt, if you're up there, I'm going to pour one out for you, bud. <laughs> Chekhov's A Work of Art. Chekhov's A Work of Art. So Wait, am I a fucking idiot, Dan? Am I a huge fucking idiot? Is this where Chekhov's gun comes from? Is this guy? I don't know. I don't know either. Why are we so uncultured? <laughs> because we don't read. <laughs> This, I bet you this is the guy who invented Chekhov's gun. Hold on. It is! The principle is recorded in letters by Anton Chekhov several times with some variation. Enlighten us. What is Chekhov's gun? It was advice to young playwrights. If you show a gun in a scene early on or whenever, like during a play or a movie or whatever, or a script, use that gun later on. Make it have use later down the like don't just show things just to show things have every a scene should have meaning and purpose basically is mm. what's going on there so like oh uh you know i keep my hunting rifle above my bed all the time just in case and then when the zambos come in later on in act two you know grabs that gun <laughs> and he shoots them so that's kind of what that is um we're idiots especially me all right dan continue this film is based off of anton chekhov's work but it's um, what we were making fun of at the beginning of the film. So basically, yeah, 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 yeah. the beginning of the film, the beginning of the podcast. Um, <laughs> so it's about this this doctor who saves this guy. We we don't know what he saved him from, but he's he saved him, and this guy is internally grateful, and he's like, oh oh, I'm so I'm so happy. My mother and I are so happy, and me my uh, me the only son of my mother. I must I must give you thanks for this because my mom loves you now. So. He, he gives them this what we under like what we find out is a um candelabra or it's a candle holder but it's it's like this is this weird statue is it? yeah yeah because that, that's the punchline at the end he's like oh i found you a second one for your for um so you can have two of them like it's a pair yeah um, so <laughs> 
he, we never see what this thing is. It's this weird sculpture, but we know from the way people are talking about it, it's very well done and very finely detailed, but it's super vulgar, whatever it is. Like it, yes. it must be like a naked, naked guy with like a huge penis or something. I mean, it already looks pretty phallic yeah. to begin with. I thought from descriptions of some of the characters that it was two people making love. It might be. I was unsure. Well, the plot of this film is basically the doctor's like, I don't, I, I, I love this, but I, I can't, I can't hold it. I have a family practice. Let me, t- let me give it to somebody who, who might appreciate it more. Yeah. So he goes to his lawyer, who's like a scumbag. Cause he's like a lawyer for like a bunch of shady people. And the lawyer's like, Oh yeah, of course I love it. I'll totally like, this is awesome. Like, can you imagine like the, the, the how the sculptor probably did this intricate detail and blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, good. You can have it. And he's like, I can't take this. My mom comes here. So, yeah 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 so he was like imagining in his head the perversion that must have came over yeah. or like the 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 imagination of the sculptor and he was getting so excited by it and he's like oh yeah no i can't take this fucking thing and then he passes the <laughs> buck on to um oh, who does he take it to it was an artist an artist <laughs> yeah so uh in in pretty terrifying makeup and he's got oh, like yeah. dancing girls oh yeah okay that's okay so it's nightmare fuel. That this guy is, guy is okay. They made him scary looking. Here's what I think is happening. I think that this guy is a nod to Joel Gray's character in Cabernet because he has very similar okay. makeup, very similar mustache, and very similar way of speaking. Like he's enunciating words so much that his mouth is making certain shapes that Joel Gray's did in Cabernet. So I'm like, huh? Ah, this if this is not a nod okay. to Cabernet, um, go go watch Cabernet. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, yes. you've earned your paycheck Thank you. for the week. Anyway, no, right. wait till I started analyzing this film. Um, <laughs> so he takes it to the artist, and the artist is like, I can't have this. So he, his girlfriend's like, oh, I can sell it to this lady who just collects junk. So she sells it to the lady. And the lady just so happens to be the mother of the son who gave it to the doctor in the first place. And in then, the fucking first place. And then the 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 son comes back to the doctor. He's like, "Oh, doctor, I have great news for you. I found a pair to your candle set." So he, <laughs> and then and then it ends there because the doctor doesn't want to show him that he gave it away in the first place. So, but if Shakespeare would have wrote this, it would have ended with him taking the candelabra and beating that man over the head with it. <laughs> Sasha, I think his name yes, was. Sasha. Uh, and then burying him under the floorboards. What I really like is so it's a silly comedy. Like it's it's you yeah. know the whole idea of passing the buck and trying not to get found out about it. Like that's that's the plot. But what I think is the the meat of the story and the analysis. Let's take it as a, a parable for art. It's like oh I can appreciate this, but I can't. I can't publicly let people know that I appreciate this. Yes. I think yes. that's a really, really, really good lesson that we can learn from this film. Oh, no, absolutely. That's 100% what's going on of of uh, some people's hypocrisy with art. Mm-hmm. I would say it's it's like when we are critiquing a film for being a certain way. So, okay, so let's like, bring it up. They're like, this is the art that I made, you know, and... 
and in a way I can't appreciate it, even if it's shocking or disturbing yes. or like, I can't, I don't want to fucking look at this. Yeah. So like, it's the reason why you have horror movies or dear listener, uh, there is a seventies film, a French film, um, <laughs> a remake of beauty and the beast, um, that is very sexually explicit and hilarious and disgusting. And <laughs> it's called the beast. It's called the beast. And there are some parts of that film that are all right and awesome. It looks really cool. But yeah. it's also just this vulgar, disgusting, nasty <laughs> sex capade that like <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm almost ashamed of watching. <laughs> it reminds me of the Sinful Dwarf. Yes. With how like fucked up that movie is, where there's just like So I there's, mean, there's a lot of artistic merit, but then just insane nonsense and like sex scenes and like well, even then you could find artistic merit in that too to the film's credit what fascinates me about this whole aspect is the um the repetitive nature of it it's like everybody can appreciate intricacies of art but nobody wants to have the responsibility of being the person to you know stick their neck out for the art they're like, okay, I'm going to put that, like, somebody else would probably appreciate this more than me. I'm not the kind of person to appreciate this, you know? Gotcha. You don't want to be there defending the art that you have or enjoy to other people who disagree with you. Yes. And I think that's what is at the heart of this film. And I think it's a really cool message because it is a cyclical film. It goes right back to the original Doctor, but we don't know if he gets caught in the lie of, you know, having it. We all we know is it could be like an infinite loop, which is really really. Oh no, he kills him. He definitely <laughs> kills him. Um. So okay, construction wise, excellent. Yes. Everything about this film was so well done. I loved. I don't know if it was really shot on film, but it's got a film grain on oh, it yeah. that looks great. I liked how grimy the characters looked. I I think it was just to try to like capture the period mm -hmm. in which the short takes place. But there's like that aspect of it I really enjoyed. There was a great scene where uh, the cameraman is is at the top of the stairs filming the subject walking like up these circular stairs. That was really, really cool. And it kind of stops on his face. And I think it's when he's going to go into the, the dancing club to yeah. give it to. No, it's or I, I forget. I think it's like give it to the lawyer or something. But um, it is. With... It's, it's like zooming in. What's that? It is with great embarrassment that I now realize that I kept saying Cabernet like the wine, but it's Cabaret. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, I didn't even catch it. I didn't even catch it. I caught it, but it was like five That's minutes so later, funny. so I feel like a heel. That's so good. Oh, fantastic. I'm not an idiot, I swear. I went to film school. It's mm. been a long week, okay? Sorry. And both can be just put in a glass and drank right up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Shoot. Final thoughts on on this film, on any other film we talked about. All the films that we got. Bangers. Bangers and MASH. Bangers, they like tell the story in such a succinct amount of time. They never overstay their welcome because that's, that's kind of an issue I see with a lot of short films. It's like people don't want to cut out certain things and like short films are a little bit too long yeah. or they get monotonous or they're a little too long, um, too short. Again, there, there should be more like each one of these films told what it needed to tell in the amount of time that it did, which was very impressive because mm -hmm. just filmmaking is a difficult process. 
So if these are all in the same film festival, it would be tough to pick the best. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like at the end of the year, like these are on my mind. I, I remember all of these to nod a little bit further to um, Chekhov's work of art. I loved that. We never saw what this was. I loved that. It was the mystery of like, we just, we're just kind of guessing what it is. I think that was a really smart move. And I think that that really is what, allows the point to kind of simmer with everybody yeah and it <laughs> the whole time you're watching the film you're trying to figure out what it yeah. is too. like i just couldn't because yeah. you can't look away from it and that's what all the characters are doing yes. they can't look away from the art you're doing the same thing while you're watching it wow i just thought about that yeah. <laughs> that's so good anyways all right Guys, you can find us on Twitter at IndieFilmPod. You can find us on Instagram at IndieFilmReviewPod. You can email us at TheIndieFilmReview at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Patreon and a PayPal for filmmakers who want to get on a shorter wait list because our wait list is about six to seven months. Join Tom Egerton and deliver us $5 for your film if you want it to be short on a waiting list that's about short um, two weeks-ish. Um Tom, uh, Tom Egerton actually did a thing where he's like, hey, just just know that it's going to be screening uh, February 15th at this festival. So like this is kind of be like kind of a companion piece to it. Oh, yeah. Do we have the festival? Let's look it up. Yeah. Uh, it'll It's going to be on short verse February 15th. Is that an online festival? Explore short. Yeah. Shortverse.com. Cool. Yeah, holy shit. Tons of shorts here. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, there's 3,726 short Ooh. films. God damn. And we got one uh, of them. But yeah, shortverse.com. It's going to be uh, premiering February 15th. Go check it out. Go check out the site. There's a lot of cool shit on here already that I'm seeing. I may have to check it out. Damn, dude. I'll link it to you. Blind Samurai Woman. Hell yeah. Okay, I'm tired and my hand hurts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, Dan, you have the final word. Hey, guys. It is me, Dan, with the final word. And here it is for you to listen to. <laughs> I never lived in Aberdeen. <laughs> I only lived inside your mind. Your mind! Ah! Necropodicon. Hard to pronounce? Easy to listen.